0: I think we need a bigger building. Hey, I have great news. I was just in the bathrooms. Nothing's clogged up, flooding, and uh, never have said this before in my whole life. The men's room smells really nice, <laughs> really, really nice. Um, hey, so last night, is, uh, so last night, you know, we opened this thing up, and and uh, all afternoon there were people tailgating. That's awesome. All right, and. Uh, uh, and we christened our children's department. Uh, uh, we had uh, three pukes and a poop on the floor. And, uh, but the whole thing's done in carpet square so just, whoop, it'll, there it goes. All right. I'm excited. You excited? You got fun? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, so in the last several weeks, uh, especially as this day, as this moment has gotten closer and closer, more and more people are stopping me at, at the grocery store, at the mall, at the gym, whatever, or even out in the, in the old church lobby, and they look at me, and, and, and some of you have done this to me, you're like, are you getting excited? How do you think it's going to feel when you walk up there that first time, you know, and look out at all these people? And man, my outside, ex- so this is what I probably said to you, like, it's great, it's awesome, I can't wait. That's my pastor thing, praise the Lord, I just can't wait. But, uh, but inside, the gym voice is going, shut up, I think I just pooped my pants. moved uh, again, <laughs> all right, it's not the first time, right, and, uh, and uh, that, that's kind of summed it up for me. Both of those motions at the same time, this is, this is awesome, and, and this is horrible, right, um, it's, it's one of the scariest and one of the best moments of my life, this moment right here, it's, it's, it's a combination of, and some of you will know what I'm talking about here, it's like having the best buzz of your life, and at the same time someone goes, there's a cop, it's both of those feelings, you, you, know, you, you know what? <laughs> It's flat irons, of course you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, it's like, yeah, that happened to me. Right? Woo! All right, so, uh, so I got all these emotions and thoughts bouncing around in my head, you know, about moving towards this day. And I've been asking myself for the last several weeks, like, what's the first talk I want to give in this room? The first time I walk on this stage, what's the first message I want to deliver? If there was one truth or, or one concept, one, one phrase, maybe an image that I hope everybody walks out of here in, in a few minutes with kind of etched in their hearts or tattooed in their brains, whatever you call it, what would that be? So I thought long and hard about that, and the image that I've had kind of stuck in my mind is this. And, and the phrase that goes with this, so far, so good. Doesn't <laughs> that kind of sum it up, right, for, for a lot of us? Not, not just this, this church, but for your life. I mean, so far, so, so, so good, for, for my story. That kind of adds up, right? And here's what I mean by that. Listen, nobody in this place, and certainly not this church, but not one person in this place is claiming like we've got it all together. There's no one in this place going, you know, I think I've arrived, I think I've, I've done it perfectly, you know. I, I, I get that, but, but the truth is, is a, a lot has happened so far in your life to get you to this chair, right? And we're here, we, we made it, so far we've survived and that's, that's so good. At least it's better than the alternative, right? I mean, not making it, like, like not surviving. That would be so bad, right? But, you know, here's the thing is, all right, um, I, the other reason I really like that so far so good statement is this, is it, it says something else. It says we're not finished. This, it's kind of a, a transitional statement. I'm, I'm not where I started. It don't just, sometimes you look at your life and go, oh, thank God I'm not who I used to be, right? Especially that, you, I know. All right, so, yeah, and uh, I'm not who I used to be, but I'm not who I want to be yet, I'm not, I'm somewhere in the middle, right? Like, like we're on a journey, like we're on a climb, you know, and, and so far it's going okay. And, and that, can, that can make you feel two ways. At the same time, it can make you feel really, really, really hopeful. Like uh, at least, you know, I'm, I'm not doing some of the same things I used to do and I, I've kind of changed a little bit, but it can also feel really, really overwhelming. It can be both. I've got so far to go. Because even though you've come so far in your life and I've come so far, it just, it just seems overwhelming. Like there's so much left to do in my life. It's kind of like this, like, like I've shared this before, like Rob and I are trying to get out of debt and it's so exciting, we pay off one credit card and we're like, yay! Then we look at the kitchen table and there's another stack of credit cards and payment books like, well, we're still here, you know? And we're like, well, so far, right? And that's why I like this picture so much. It's gonna be up here for several weeks. And here's why I like it, because you can't see the bottom of the mountain, you don't know how far he's come and you don't know how far he has to go. He's just in the middle we're in the middle of of our story, of our climb, of of our journey, and he's made it that far, and that describes a lot lot of us. So getting ready for this this talk in this series, I've been studying a lot, I've been reading a lot of books on mountain climbing and rock climbing, I've read all these books on Mount Everest, I'm not gonna try it because those people are crazy, but all right, but here's the thing I've noticed as as, as I've studied mountain climbing and, 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 and rappelling and all that kind of stuff is that as you climb, the higher and higher and higher that you go, the only thing that really changes is the risk. Right? I mean, really, everything else kind of stays the same. Like, what's at stake? And the best illustration I have of this would be like walking on a beam. OK, so this beam, you know, it's like six inches off the ground. But, but here's the thing is you could elevate this thing up on top of a skyscraper, skyscraper. All right. It's a skyscraper, you know, a thousand feet off the ground and nothing changes. I mean, it's four inches wide. I have the same feet, same muscles, same same balance, you know, same same gravity pulling down on me. The only thing that changes is if I fall. See, the, the, if you fall off, if you fall off a six-inch beam, it's no, it's no big deal. You fall off a beam that's you know ten thousand feet in the air or something like that. It's a different story with different, and I would say bigger consequences. Right? That, that's what, that's what, what changes, all right? And it's the same with mountain climbing or rock climbing. It takes the ba- same basic skill set, the same muscles, the same techniques, the same kind of climbing rope to climb a wall that's 10 feet high or a rock face that's 10,000 feet high. The only difference is this, is that the higher you go, if you make a mistake, it has bigger consequences. And that's why if, if, if you Google this, and I did this, if you, every list of top 10 phobias and fears of people... Uh, Fear of heights, which isn't really fear of heights. No one's afraid of heights. Everybody's afraid of falling, right? I'm not afraid of, I can go up there. I'm just afraid I'm going to fall off. I'm afraid if I climb too high, I might fall. And to quote the great theologian Humpty Dumpty, he once said, Sensei, speak to us, Humpty. He said, uh, I might have a great fall and all the king's forces and all the king's men can't put me back together again. And that's how you feel sometimes, Right? Fear, fear of falling or fear of you know, making mistakes and failing has led a lot of us in this room to some conclusions and to make some decisions about our life that have kind of capped our life. Like, you can't go any higher. That's it for you. You, you can't go any better than that. And we, it's caused a lot of us to just give up. This is just true. It's a lot of, on, the, on the hope that, that any of us could ever stand on top, that we could ever have a better life, that we could do and be some of the things that we used to want to do and be. We had dreams that we could do and be, Right? We know that we were meant to do that. We were created to do that. And the, but the result is because we've made mistakes in our life, a lot of us, we give up or we gave up way too soon. Because it's my story. I tried in the past and I failed. And I'm pretty sure that if I try again, I'll fail again. So why try? So we've given up on the possibility. We've given up on the reality, the dream, that what we used to hope for. Remember back in high school? Remember back in college, you had dreams and hopes for your life. You kind of gave up that, that could ever be possible for you. And the question I have today, I want to kind of get our arms around, is, is that true? Is it too late for you because you've made too many mistakes? Is it, is, it, is it possible to have a better life or is it too late? And that's what I want to look at today. I want to look at the story of a guy in the Bible, all right? His name's Peter, and, and it, he just gave up. He gave up too soon, too quickly. And the reason he gave up was because he was afraid, He was afraid of falling. And I also want to look more at at, at how Jesus responds, not just to him, but to us when we get afraid and when we give up and when we fall. And in Peter's story, a lot of us are going to see our story because the Bible's full of stories that are just like Me Too stories. So if you have a Bible with you and there's Bibles in the back, I started to say like always, but there isn't an always, like last night, that's all I can say, all right? So there's Bibles in the back, but we're going to be in Matthew chapter 14. Matthew is one of the four biographies of Jesus you find in the Bible, test time, written by a guy named Matthew. He's pretty arrogant. I'll, I'll name it me, you know, so he wrote this thing. But anyway, so in Matthew chapter 14, let me set this up, and it's in your program, it's on the screens here, but, but, but Jesus has just found out that his cousin Was just executed by the king. His cousin's name is John the Baptist. He's called John the Baptist not because he went to a Baptist church. There weren't any yet, all right. But he actually just baptized a lot of people in rivers, and people said, "Let's just call him John the Baptist." And that's Jesus's cousin, and actually baptized Jesus a few months before what we're going to look at today. And John the Baptist also had had a a kind of a reputation. He had a big mouth. He was always shooting shooting off his mouth about, "Yo, I don't I don't agree with that." And the king the king had married his own sister, and that's kind of gross. And so he was being kind of uh, outspoken about that. So the king had him arrested, and then. it was the king's birthday and so like for halftime celebration of his birthday they cut off his head and served it on a platter read that it's an exciting bedtime story but anyway so jesus gets the news that your cousin's dead and he does what any of us would do if we find out that someone we love is dead he's just heartbroken and so he's been busy doing all this stuff. So he, he looks at his 12 friends that, that follow him around, he's kind of mentoring. He says, can we just get away for a few days? Can we just get in a boat and go someplace and just be by ourselves for a few days? That's what I would wanna do. That's what you wanna do, right? And so they get in this boat, all right, and they sail to the other side of this big lake that's still in Israel today. It's called the Sea of Galilee. And they're sailed to the other side. But apparently one of the disciples has a big mouth and let it kind of be known that where we're going. And so all the people, you know, found out, oh, he's on the other side and they all run around the lake and Jesus sails across the lake and they're like, hey, we beat you, you know, and, and Jesus is much nicer than me because I would have been like, go away, you know, but, uh, but Jesus, the Bible says that he fell in love with these people. His heart was broken for him. And he spent the whole day telling them about how much God loves them and healing up their sick. And that goes on all day. About dinner time, his friends come up to Jesus and say, Hey, Jesus, get rid of these people because they're hungry and we don't have any food. And Jesus looks at him and goes, You feed them. And they're like, Uh, we don't have any money, which we were going to bring up with you later, Jesus, but we don't have any money to feed these people, or let alone ourselves, so just, could you just get rid of them. It's a really famous story. You can read the rest of this chapter later when, when you get home, but, 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 but Jesus finds a kid who has two fish and some bread, remember this story, and he prays over it, right? And, and then he says, now pass out that fish and that bread, and they pass it out to all these people, and at the end of the picnic, 5,000 men and their families have more than enough to eat. There's leftovers, and everybody's like, yay, Jesus, you're awesome, free food, right? Why do we ever doubt you? We'll never doubt you again so far so good so dinner is kind of wrapping up and Jesus says I still want to get away so you guys get in the boat and you go to this other place on the other side of the lake and I will meet you there and these guys are all fishermen and they look at him like Jesus that, that how are you going to get over there you know, I mean in case you didn't notice I mean we're very experienced fishermen you know and we know that we can sail across the lake much faster than you can walk to that place over there did you ever think about that Jesus I just wonder how many times the Bible leaves out the phrase and Jesus rolled his eyes right like bless your heart why did I pick you right and but anyway so so here's the thing it's 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 nighttime these guys these 12 guys they get in a boat and they start sailing across the boat and this storm hits and this part of the world is still famous for this because the mountains come right down to the lakeside and these big storms come out of the valleys and they hit this lake and these guys know because they grew up around this lake that if they don't get to shore soon it's not going to end well and so they take down their sails, and they're rowing, and they're, they're rowing towards, towards, towards shore. And again, they know, we've got to get to land. Because I, I bet if you could have pulled everybody in that boat, every one of them could say, yeah, I have, I have a friend that, that, that died in a storm just like this. I, I have a brother that, that was out caught out in a storm like this, and we never saw him again. So they're out there, and they're rowing towards shore, and the, the wind and the waves are hitting. And, and I, I just wonder what was going on in their heads out in the middle of a storm. And if there's anything like me, it was something like this. Like, what am I supposed to do? I'm doing everything I know to do. I'm doing the right thing. I'm doing exactly what I've always done before, and this time it's not working. Have you ever felt like that? I'm doing it right. It's just not working, right? Or or maybe this. You don't say this out loud, but you think to yourself like, hey, thanks a lot, Jesus. This is your idea. We didn't really want to go sailing tonight, but this was your idea, right? If we would have left earlier, we, we wouldn't be caught in this storm. And by the way, you're supposed to be like... Like spiritual, did you not know that this storm was coming our way? And, and here's what I think a lot. Hey, I, hey, Jesus got me out here, but how do I know? So he's brought me this far. How do I know that today's not the day that Jesus decided to go, you're on your own, I'm busy. You know, all right, I, it was my idea to get you out here, but some other stuff had come up, so good luck to you, hope you live, right? And then I'll pick you up later. I, I feel like Jesus says that sometimes. He doesn't, but that's how I feel. Like thanks a lot for feeding all those hungry people on dry land, but I got a bigger problem, I, I, this, is, this is different. You're not here to sprinkle your little Jesus fairy dust. So thanks for your, thanks for your help yesterday. But what have you done for me lately? Do you ever pray that? A version of that? Because I do. So they're rowing this boat across this stormy sea, and the waves are coming in, the, water's filling, the boat's filling up with water, and they're rowing, and somebody looks up and looks across the waves, all right, and in the distance, they see what they think is a person, like, walking on water, which is impossible, so they're like, what could that be, and they decide it's a ghost, and if you read this, it's great, they start screaming, it's a ghost, and it's like, row, row, row your boat away from the ghost, you know, they're, they're I made that up, but go with it, you know, so they're rowing away from the ghost, and they're convinced that not only are they going to die, but they're, apparently they're going to be haunted and stuff like that, so they're rowing away from this ghost, we're going to pick up in Matthew 14, Verse 27, so they're looking at this and a voice comes from the ghost and says this, but Jesus immediately said to them, so apparently it's not a ghost, it's Jesus. I knew that because I read ahead. But anyway, all right, so Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. So Jesus sees them in a panic and goes, hey, it's me. It's me, don't, don't, don't be afraid. Verse 28, Lord, <laughs> if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you On the water, and I love that phrase. Hey, if it's you, if it's you, I mean, we can look back 2,000 years later and go, duh, Peter, who else would it be, right? I mean, who else would be able to do this? But but put yourself in Peter's place. He's sitting in a boat, convinced that at any moment a wave is gonna come across that, that bow and he's gonna die. He's in such desperate you know, situation, he's convinced this is it. So in desperation, he calls out to Jesus, hey Jesus, I'm in a bad situation. And you've said stuff like this to God, right? I'm in a really bad situation and I, I don't wanna be here. I don't know how to get out of it. I wanna, I wanna be where you are, but in order to get to where you are and where you want me to be, I'm gonna have to do something that I've never done before. I don't even know how to do it. I never thought I could ever do anything like, like what I'm proposing here. I, 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 listen, nobody in my life would ever say you could ever do something like this. And if I, if I lived through this, and I tell anybody about it, they won't believe it really happened. But here's the thing, Jesus, if it's you, if it's you telling me to do this, to take this risk with my life, if you're telling me to do it, if you promise that you'll take care of me, you brought me this far, you tell me what to do. I'm so desperate, I will do do anything, tell me. And here's how Jesus responds to prayers like that or conversations with God like that. Look at verse 29. Come, he said, Jesus said, come. Then Peter got down out of the boat walked on the water and came towards Jesus. Now, time out here, okay? Listen, I've heard this story, I don't know, probably thousands of times. Since my parents, you know, dragged me off to church in the church basement, Sunday school, which was not nearly as good as this one, all right? It smelled like mold, and there was just bad. And there, there's this little old lady, my little Sunday school teacher, she had a flannel graph. She goes, now this is Peter. And the next verse goes like this. And then he drank, you know, he sunk, you know? And that ruins the story for you, but he sinks in the next verse. But before we get to that verse, can we just take a time out? Because for just a couple moments in history, the only person in the history of water to walk on water other than Jesus himself is Peter. I mean, Peter, least likely person to walk on water, redneck, short-tempered, bad language using, minimum wage earning fisherman, who up to this point, Peter's only made one good decision in his whole life, happened several weeks ago, he bumped into Jesus and Jesus said, do you want to hang out with me? Do you want to follow me? And Peter went, all right. That's the best decision he'd ever made in his whole life. But for, for, for a few moments, plain old blue-collared Peter six-pack is walking on water. And, and, and 11 guys are sitting in a boat going, no way, is that happening? Peter, how, how are you doing that? You gotta think about this, for the rest of Peter's life, He's going to sit around campfires or, or go to dinner parties or whatever, and somebody say, does, does anybody have a story? And he's got. well, I have this I have this story. One time I was out in this boat in this storm, and Jesus told me to walk on water, and I did it. And people ask me, like, well, how did you do that? I have no idea. I mean, I was convinced we were going to drown. There was these big waves, and then Jesus said to do this, and, and I did it, and I, and I walked on water. And then people may, may look at me and go, all right, let's go down to the lake, or let's go out to the swimming pool. Let's see if you can do it again. And, and Peter will go, nope, I just had one shot just that one time, and that, but that time I took it. And it was awesome and terrifying. It was both. And let's look at the next two verses. I'll show you why it's so terrifying. And when, when he, when Peter saw the wind, so he's walking on the water towards Jesus, when, when, when Peter saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately Jesus reached out his hand, caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And again, every time I've read this story in my whole life, I've always read this in two ways. One is that it's just a story about Peter's failure. He's like, come on, Peter. I mean, if you would have had more faith, you would have trusted God more, you wouldn't have gotten in this situation, right? And the other way I've always read this is this, is is that it seems like Jesus is kind of mean. It's like the the way I've read this and it kind of put tone to this, this story, I feel like Jesus is looking at Peter going, come on, you're such a loser, I mean, mean, really, I mean, why did did you doubt? I mean, you blew it. You've been following me and I've taught you that you could trust me. I thought you were a better follower. I thought you had changed. I I thought you were a different person. I'm so disappointed in you. Why can't you be better? And you you know why I've always kind of, kind of imposed that on on what I thought Jesus said to him? Because sometimes I feel like that's what Jesus says to me. Do you ever feel like that? I mean, if you could have a conversation with God, especially after you really just jack something up, don't you feel like sometimes God would look at you and go, come on. Really? I mean, you should know better than that. And you're, you should be a better person than that. And I'm so disappointed in you, and I'm kind of mad at you, which is why we spend a lot of our lives just trying to not look up. That's, that, that's not what Jesus said to Peter. And that's not what he'll ever say, say to us, all right? I mean, if he would have said anything like that to anybody, it would have been the 11 guys sitting in the boat crying for their mom, right? No, what he said to Peter and what he'll always say to you goes like this. You're not, you're not a failure, I'm not saying I'm disappointed in you. I see. I think it was more like this. This is how I picture this. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But this is how I picture it. And, then, and if you're a parent, you're really going to understand this, or a grandparent. But, but if you're not, you'll, you can do the math on this. Have you ever tried to teach somebody, a little kid, how to ride a bike? It's the most frustrating thing in the world, all right? Like hire somebody, I'm, I'm telling you, all right? But anyway, so here's the thing. So you get your kid out there, and they've had training wheels on. And, and so, but, but it's time to take the training wheels off. And so you put a helmet on. Not when I was a kid, it was just out there right but anyway and they have knee pads and elbow pads and I don't know there's just Charmin wrapped around and they're like they're trying to ride I say so you spend the whole day out there in front of your house on the sidewalk like go pedal 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 right and they're like like this you know just pedaling as fast as they can just go as fast as they can and so you do that all all day long and then one day or one time you know you're going along and they're just concentrating and you let go and they do fine they're doing great like until they realize that you're not holding on anymore and then they're like Ah, boom, you know, and there's, there's blood and skin and, you know, five-year-old cursing and stuff like that, whatever that looks like, you know, and, 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 they, and then they just tumble into this big heap, and you're trying to run to catch up to them, and they look back at you like, how, why did you do that? And you, and you remember what you said when you finally caught up to them? You ran up to him and you went, Ah, oh, you're such a horrible bike rider. I'm so disappointed in you. You're a loser and not sure you're my child, right? <laughs> oh, you didn't say that. If you did, you're a bad parent and you need counseling, all right? But, uh, see, see what, what you did say to them, and this is what I said to my kids when they crash, is you scoop them up and you kind of spin them around and you whisper in their ear, oh, you almost had it. Remember that? You're like, oh, you're that close. I'm so so proud of you. Like, but but I, but I can't do that. Like, no, no, no. You were actually riding your bike. No, I wasn't. You let go and I crashed. No, no, no. No, it's all right. It's all right. And you listen, you just next time, you just keep going because you almost had it. And that's what I think Jesus whispered in Peter's ear. You almost had it. You were walking on water. No, I was falling. No, 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 no. No, I'm telling you, you you were doing great. You were this close to understanding what your whole life could look like if you just trusted me. It's gonna be all right. Now, next time, don't don't stop. Just keep going. You're gonna do it. Now, what's that have to do with so far, so good? What do stormy seas and walking on water and balance beams and bike riding have to do with mountain climbing? Jim, you're mixing metaphors. We're really confused. Where are you going with this? Let me throw in one more, all right? All right. What does any of that have to do with you or me or, or us as a church? And we're just people trying to figure out how to get through this day. So what, how does that apply to us? It's very simple. Look back at Peter's story, verse 29. Come, Jesus said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. So, so far, so good. So it's going all right. But look at this. But when, he, when Peter saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Here's the question. When did things start falling apart for Peter? When, when, when did Peter you know, panic and, and, begin, and begin to fall? And the answer is when he stopped looking at Jesus and he started looking at all the wind and all the waves. When he took his eyes off of Jesus and fixed his eyes on all the, the reasons why and, and what about if this happens? And the last time I was in a storm like this, when he started thinking about all the reasons why, he should sink, instead of focusing on the one person that could keep him up, the one person who could help. Now, let me put it in mountain climbing terms, all right? Peter was climbing towards Jesus, and the reason he got out of the boat in the first place is because Jesus said, come out here with me. Get out of the boat, get out of your life, get out of where, where you are right now, and, and, come, and come towards me. And Peter went, all right, I trust you. And he got out, and it was really, really, really good for a while, so far so good, but then he remembered what you think about all the time. People like me don't walk on water. We don't do that. Some people do, I don't, I'm not one of those. People like me, we don't climb mountains. People like me, we don't do impossible things. And then he looked down. And apparently the number one rule in rock climbing and apparently the number one rule in water walking is don't look down. Don't ever look down, right? And that's the application for us, all right? It's simply this, Jesus promised he promised Peter, and he promises everybody in this room, all right, that if we will keep our eyes focused on him, just watch me, he says, keep your eyes focused on me and what I want to do and what I want to be about. He says this, is that we will be able to do things that without him we would never be able to do, the, the, things that would be impossible if we ever tried to do them without him. So if anything good has happened in your life up to this point in your life, it's because of Jesus. Jesus. So far, so good. But what Jesus wants us to get, walk out of this with today is this. But the moment that you take your eyes off of him, the moment you try to figure it out without him in your life and what he wants you to do and be about in your life, in any area of your life, in family life, in financial life, in sexuality, in health, in friendship, in all the big areas, Jesus says, you can do it any way you want. But I'm telling you, if you take your eyes off of me, it is a matter of time until it falls apart and you sink. See, that, that's true no matter how old you are. Maybe you're just starting, maybe you're just, you know, uh, 10 years old in here, right, and, and you're just starting out your life, you're just starting your climb, or, or maybe you're halfway through, through your climb, maybe, maybe you're almost ready to summit, but the thing is, is that the same truths and principles are always in place. The only difference is, kind of like that balance beam back there, is that the higher you climb, the greater the consequences if you make a mistake, if you grab the wrong rock, if you slip off the ledge, if, if, you, if you let go of the rope, Right? See, it just gets it's bigger and bigger and bigger consequences. I'll give you an example of that. You know, if you're five years old, there's, there's not a lot you can do to screw up your life. I mean, none of us look back going, it all fell apart for me when I was four and a half and went to kindergarten. That was the beginning of the end. Anybody? <laughs> yeah, no, the truth is, I mean, there's not too much that you can't recover from if you're five, but let's just raise the stakes. Don't raise your hand, but anybody messed up their life when they were 15? It took a totally different turn. 25, 35, you know, 55, uh, 105, right? Uh, How about this? If you've been married five minutes, the stakes are higher than 10 minutes ago. If you've been married five years or five decades, it just keeps getting higher and higher. How about this, parents? If you're the mom or dad of one five-year-old or five teenagers, and you can just keep on going with this, but the thing is, is that if you make the wrong mistake, and I'm not talking about a little one, I'm talking about a big one, if you, if you try to hold on to or run onto the wrong things or let go of the right thing, and then you make a mistake and you fall, the consequences of some kinds of falls are devastating. It's over, and that's some of our stories, right? Because there's so much at stake. Uh, when, I, when I lived back in Lexington, uh, Kentucky, all right, I, I got invited to go to this, this rock climbing club, all right? It was an indoor rock climbing club, and I'd never been to one before, we walk in there, it's really cool, all right? There were all these different rocks and figure, configurations, and, and, and all these handholds and different paths, and, and so rock climbers would go in there, and they would practice, you know, their grips and their strengthening, their muscles that it was going to take, so then they actually got out to, to the mountain that they would be ready for that, but the cool thing, and I don't know if all, all clubs are like this, but the thing about this club is that underneath all the really tall walls or all the really difficult climbs that the club had piled up layers and layers and layers of mat and rubber foam. Every once in a while, one of the climbers would be up there, then he would slip or make a mistake, and he would fall into this spongy pit, frustrated, but unhurt, safe. And somebody from one of the other walls would yell, it's all right, don't worry about it. You'll get it next time. Don't give up. Just keep on trying. Don't you wish your life was like that? And here's what I mean. Don't, Don't you wish that whenever you got tired or frustrated... Didn't know what to do, you just let go and fall into a nice spongy mattress, right? Just brush it off and ask, all right, I'll get it next time. Right? But the truth is, and here's the thing is, and you know this is true no matter what you believe about God, this is true for you. There's some parts of your life you don't get it next time. I don't mean to be cynical or pessimistic. There's, there's some parts of your life where, where there are no do-overs. There's not a spongy mattress to catch you when, when you fall. I mean, none of us can approach life like this. It's all right, I'll blow this marriage off. I'll do better on the next one. That's all right, I'll just get some more kids. Some of you are like, well, that's not bad, <laughs> right? But seriously, right? I'll do better on my next family. I'll get, maybe I'll get some better parents later. And here, by the way, I'm not talking about forgiveness here. I'm, I'm not even really talking about God at this point, all right? All I am. I am in this sense is that, you know, God will always catch you. God will always forgive you, and God will always give you another chance. But, but there are some parts of our lives, and this life, I'm not talking about after our funeral, this life, like this afternoon, the most important parts where you only get one shot, and even if you screw it up and God says, I forgive you, it's gone. And my question is this, is it possible that we don't have to keep on falling all the time for the same things? Is that possible? That we don't have to keep on sinking and repeating the same old behaviors and having the same old pain in our life. There's the same old apologies and regrets and fights for the same things over and over and over. The same thing that happened last week and last month. Do we have to keep on doing that? Or is it possible or still possible for people like us that we could go far? Maybe further than we've ever gone before. Maybe we could find a way to stop screwing up our lives so much or as often. Is it possible that we could actually find a, a better life in a higher place? And here's the thing is, the more you study the teachings of Jesus, you find him saying over and over and over, yeah, it's possible. With me, everything is possible. It's very possible. And here's what he told us to do, all right? He said, if you'll just fix your eyes, set your sights, not on all the what ifs and the well, I could never, and that's impossible, and someone like me could never do that. No, don't, don't, don't think about that. But, but fix your eyes on what? a few things, just a couple things that Jesus said, this is really important on a few basic elementary values and truths and, and climbing techniques so that if we ever ever hope to climb 10 feet higher in our life, let alone 10,000 feet, Jesus says, it's possible. It's possible for you to go far. And I love the way he says it, not just far, but you could actually have an abundant life, a better life. So, so let me go back to the original question that I started with today, all right? Jim, how does it feel to stand up there on that stage today? And the answer will always be the same, no matter what I say to you. <laughs> it's awesome. And terrifying and, and, and you know what I mean I, I try to find some like parables or how does that compare right for, for most of us uh, it feels like this do you remember that day some of you and some of you you'll get to this day right do you remember that day when you woke up and there was a person laying in bed beside of you and you realized that yesterday you had promised them that they would that you would stay with them for the rest of your life and then you had this huge overwhelming feeling that you're grossly unpaired unprepared to actually keep that promise it's like I don't know if I can do that it's awesome terrifying isn't it or how about how about this it feels kind of like when when a doctor hands you a squirming little crying wet person <laughs> and says it, it's a baby <laughs> and you're like uh what do i do with it you know because parents right you don't even know how to take care of yourself some days how are you gonna take care of this little person and that's life life sometimes feel like you're standing on the edge of a cliff or you're hanging on for dear life all right, halfway up. It's a long way up, and it's, it's, it's a long way, way down. And I don't know if I can put the right words to it, but however it makes me feel, it causes me to pray two prayers. And I pray these prayers almost every day. It goes like this. God, thanks for giving me the chance to do this. This, but more importantly, to be Robin's husband, to be my kid's dad, to have a few friends in my life. Thank, thank you for that. But the second part of that prayer goes like this. And God, please help me not to screw it up. Usually again. Because Lord, both you and I know me really, really well and I have all the potential, I can screw up anything. Five minutes on the wrong day, right? That's just, that's just me. And even if I've screwed it up before, God, I don't wanna do it wrong anymore. So that's what I wanted to say to you today. And that's where we're gonna, what we're gonna do. So today is kind of like an introduction, not just to this, this new room, but to where, the, where we're going individually and maybe as a church. So starting next weekend, we're gonna spend a few weeks, the first few weeks in this room, reviewing the basics of climbing, Because even if God has brought you far, so far in your life, here's the truth. We still have so far to go. And if we ever forget or let go of the rope, and by that I mean if we ever let go of what Jesus says is now this is important. You gotta hang on to this. It's a matter of time until the whole thing falls apart. So, so, So next weekend is Easter weekend. It's gonna be fun around here. And we're gonna start with the most important one. It's like the rope that everything else hangs on. If we let go of this rope or if it breaks, nothing else matters. We should just sell this building right now. So that's where we're gonna go. Now I'm done. I, I wanna close with two, two songs. They're two of my favorite songs. And the first song is a really old song. And by that I mean this is like, I grew up, my mom's a church organist, all right? So I thought only Jesus only loved organ music because my mom told me that job security. its like, no, God loves this. But anyway, um, but I found out God actually likes guitar music, which is good around here. So, uh, so this, this, I learned this song at camp when I was a little kid, and, and it comes right out of the Bible. And, and, and here's the thing is, uh, you know, it's really appropriate because, you know, we're trying to ascend to a better life. We're trying to get to a higher place that God says, don't give up. Keep on reaching for that. But the words of this are so old, they came out of Psalm 97, and I'm gonna read it, it's gonna be on the screen behind me, but out of a really old version of the Bible, all right, that my dad loves, all right? And it it goes like this, is how I learned it. It says, for for thou, Lord, for you, Lord, art high above all the earth, thou art exalted far above all gods. And I love that word exalted, because literally, I I looked it up, and it means this, in the Hebrew it means this, to go up, to to, to lift up, to, to ascend like you're walking up a mountain. To be above everything. And so what David, about two, 3,000 years ago, what he was saying to us was something like this. God is above everything. He's above everything. But what we're learning in this story about Peter walking on water is that that same God who's above everything is saying, come on up here. Come with me. Come, 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 come my direction. Come, come to a better life, a higher life. And again, I'm not talking about after your funeral and, and you're going to heaven. I mean, it certainly includes that, but about this life, this afternoon, Monday when you go back to work. See, what Jesus taught us that if we're ever gonna make it in this life, our, our best shot, our only hope, really, is keeping our eyes on what he says is important. So I'm gonna pray, and then uh, don't leave early because the, these next two songs will just, they just melt your face. This is the first service I haven't cried in yet. I took Robin's Prozac, that's why, okay, so. God, I love you so much. You know, standing in this room, um, just standing in these buildings that, that, that we're in, they just remind, they, they remind us of us. Just recycled, repurposed, renewed, rebuilt lives. And though these, these buildings used to serve one purpose, just like we used to serve another purpose, now we're trying to figure it out. And maybe, God, you can recycle us. And you're not done with us and you can take even some of the messes of our life and the crumbling foundations of our life, you can say, I can rebuild that if you'll just keep your eyes on me. It's not too late for any of us if we'll just follow you. So we lift you up, God. And as we lift you up, you reach down and you say, come up here with me. Thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.